lock it in a your backpack The smell of your girlfriend contact Come boy, no know this I'm only come around like tourists On the beach with a few club sodas Bedtime Welcome to Shambach Welcome back to the Life, Learning and Success Podcast With me, David Schumann We have a very special guest on in a couple minutes he is a growth hack guru. Those of you who don't know what that is, you will at the end of this podcast. We're going to speak about accelerating your business today, putting it on a hyper growth. Now, I've done that myself uh, with my football camps and showcases over the years, but I'm always looking for new ways to continue to grow it. And our guest, Nick Cullen, who will be coming on, Started his own business at 16 years old. Knew that college was not necessarily the answer for him to to build a business and build a lifestyle. Um, he went to multiple different industries, but has found tremendous success starting his own company as an entrepreneur with Second Flight Consulting. He is training other small businesses and large businesses on how to growth hack their business, accelerate sales, get leads, and generate their own business. Let's put them on right now. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on? How's it going? Nick, I, I, I gave you a huge buildup here, a huge buildup, because I think what we're going to talk about today is not just incredibly exciting, but it's something that almost nobody really knows about. So, um, you know, in your business, in training small businesses, uh, in training large businesses, any any person who wants to accelerate their business, you know, we're going to discuss a lot of that today with you because you are the guru in this. So I'm really excited to have you on. Awesome. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited to uh, drop some value bombs on this uh, podcast. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Value bombs. I already have my first first one I'm writing down because those of you who are on listening to this, when you get to listen to this on iTunes, Nick, he's going to drop value bombs the whole entire show. So you'll, you'll get to hear, and I've gotten to know him over the years <laughs> uh, really well. So he'll be dropping value bombs all day long. Nick, give everybody a little bit of background about yourself uh, and, and what you do and, and how you got to this point. Yeah, not a problem. Um, so I, uh, I kind of been uh, this nonconformist when it comes to like the way I see the world with, with business and with marketing and I, and just with life in general. Right. So um, I, when I was like a young kid, I, uh, I, I was always told, like, every young kid, you got to, you know, to get a job and work at McDonald's or, you know, do something that you know you're going to hate, you're just going to dread it, and you know you're adding no value to yourself or your life. And I decided, you know, there was other things I wanted to pursue and, you know, other things I was passionate about. When I was younger, it was music. So I, I figured out a really cool way to, like, integrate this cool little algorithm that could scrape, you know, people who recently commented on other artists you know, music videos and introduce them to other artists. And that's kind of when the, the itch kind of happened, right? Um, I realized that, like, there's some really cool ways to use the Internet to help market people that no one was doing. And I always like being, like, the, the, the Christopher Columbus of, like, coming up with new and innovative ideas that make big impact to a business. And when I was younger, 
you know, I, I realized how cool it is to run your own business and, you know, make money doing it successfully. And at a young age, you know, making, you know, a few grand, you know, just getting an artist here and there to market themselves and doing something I love, I realized that's the path I really wanted to take. But, you know, I did kind of fall into, you know, following, following conformity a little bit with, you know, what people, you know, said, you got to climb the ladder to be successful. And, you know, I was fortunate enough when I had my big success when I was a teenager to get picked up by some pretty cool companies. And, you know, I also never even went to college. I just kind of went out of the gate, you know, with some really great things. And it took me till about 22, 23 years old uh, when I was at my last kind of, I guess, day job was uh, with a financial firm, you know, I had a few billion dollars assets under management. I was handling, I was like, uh, they, my official title was, uh, you know, chief business development and marketing officer. And I handled, you know, the aspects of the online marketing for them because they wanted to be innovative with, uh, you know, the way to do business online. And most financial advisors, as we know, are not really doing any innovative stuff when it comes to that. But, um, you know, I, I kind of realized at that point in my life, you know, I was making great money, right? And I was doing some really cool stuff. But the biggest thing that was missing was fulfillment. And when you're not fulfilled, even if, you know, you kind of realize that whole thing, like it's not about the money, right? Because when you're making money and you're not happy with how you're making the money, it, it, there's no real reason. You kind of like, you start realizing that you're stripping your soul away a little bit. And, you know, at that moment, that's when I was kind of like, you know what, I really want to, you know, explore where I was the most fulfilled, which is when I had my own thing. And I started, you know, playing around with that and I realized, you know, this is what I got to do. And I just said, it, screw it, uh, I'm going to do it. And I went through that grind period for like six months, not really making much. And then all of a sudden, all the efforts that I put in and applying my own growth hacking techniques, you know, really skyrocketed myself and my business to now, you know, we're, we're at a point where, you know, a business that's only been matured for, you know, was mature for maybe a year, year, a little over a year, you know, started kicking in, you know, six figure a month, you know, you know, monthly revenues. And it's just amazing to kind of see how something could grow and manifest. But, you know, you do have to put in that grind to uh, get there. So, you know, things have been great. We've been doing a lot of cool stuff. We've been doing a lot of different things with the business. And uh, now I'm doing stuff like this with cool guys like you, Dave. <laughs> cool guys like – I was probably cool about 15 <laughs> years ago. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I try to remain as cool as I possibly can. Um, I, I want to touch on a couple of things. First of all, you know, before we get into to the growth hacking stuff, and I want to build everybody up onto it, obviously – but um, I think some really interesting things you touched on. You, you, you didn't go to college, okay? And, and obviously, there's value in going to college for people that is necessary. But I do believe that if it's someone that, that is aggressive and knows what they want out of life, especially for entrepreneurs, that is not necessarily a path. Now, I don't, that doesn't mean that every entrepreneur can go right out of high school and do that. That doesn't mean that, you know, entrepreneurs come from all different shapes and, and, and sizes and ways, and there's different uh, um, acceleration curves. What do you feel that you needed right away at that time that college could not give you that going out and getting going and making your own money could? Well, you know what? I, I actually didn't, I, I didn't know what that value was till I kind of achieved success a little bit, right? You know, in the beginning, I, I wanted to go because you kind of got conditioned that you kind of have to go, right? And 
you know, when I was younger, I kind of, you know, when I was 17, I went through a pretty hard, you know, family issue that, you know, strange, you know, still to this day, I'm, I'm estranged from my, my family because, you know, what happened and the struggles that I kind of went through when I was a teenager. Um, so I wanted to go to school. I actually had big opportunities to go to some great schools, but the problem was, you know, was the, uh, you know, the invisible hand, which is money, right? I, I, I couldn't, I literally couldn't afford it. I, um, you know, no, no matter how much grants or loans I could get myself into, into massive debt, I, I couldn't even get the debt <laughs> because I was just an independent. I, I had literally, you know, nothing really to show for it. And, and on top of that, I had real life problems to go through. You know, at a young age, you kind of got to support yourself and you have you don't have mom or dad to do that for you, you know, so you got to do it for yourself. So it's kind of, I kind of had to choose like, all right, I'm making money, I'm getting opportunities. Or do I go to school and put myself in debt and then put myself into a position where I'm not making enough money to put the roof over my head and pay for my bills and do all those things, you know? And I had I had to choose the route that I know was going to at least be guaranteed without, you know, putting myself into debt. And and luckily at that time when I was young, I I I, I invested the money I was making all throughout my years more so into mentorship programs, and I was aligning myself with people and coaches and organizations to like sit in with people who are already successful because they say, you know, the people that you surround, the, you know, the five people that you hang out with the most would represent who you are as a person and even your success. And, you know, growing up, especially in my teenage years, I wasn't hanging out with other people my age. Like my really good friends were like, you know, 40 years old. <laughs> so you got this like 18, 19, 20 year old kid hanging out with people who are double the age but those were the people that I know mentally I was aligning myself with and who I, you know, admired and looked up to. And, you know, that, that's, I, that's the network I knew I needed to be in and engrave myself in in order to get myself to a position where I would absorb all those years of college I would have acquired on top of all the life experience to make myself more matured and be able to also get into, I, I would say, like the gladiator ring with everyone else, but in a level that age is not even a factor anymore because at a mental wavelength, it's all equal. And, you know, when, in the beginning when I used to, you know, do my uh, business, right, when I was, you know, 20-something years old when I first started, even when I was trying to get a job, you know, in my late teens and early 20s, you know, on the phone, people would think I was maybe like 30 years old or older um, from how I carried myself and, you know, what I knew and what, all the accomplishments I even had at that time. And then when they meet me, they see this, you know, I still have the baby face a little bit, but, you know, they'll see this young kid. You know, luckily I was tall, so that helped. But if I was short, they would totally think I was, like, some sort of, like, teenager. And, you know, you kind of got to learn also how to handle adversity. And I feel like college never really doesn't teach you so much about adversity. You're very – I think now looking forward and seeing what the problem is with, with young youth, right, coming out of college and struggling, is that we never really – you know I, – from seeing people in my generation, you know, who actually did the appropriate path instead of the instead of my path, which is far right, um, what's sad is that they're just not poised, right? It's like they're not ready. And I don't know how else to explain it. They're just – most people are just not ready. And I feel like they're just not set so much with the adversity to learn and grow within and, you know, and actually take this time to self-reflect and understand what qualities and values that they have to bring naturally, organically, and how 
to amplify that and grow that and even find the areas that they identify as shortfalls to then find areas that they help grow those shortfalls in. Because we can't live a life that's structured because life isn't structured. And in college, you're, everything's structured. In high school and grammar school, everything is so structured. And then when you get thrown into life right after college, you realize shit is not structured. <laughs> it's just not at all. And I think when I was growing up and going through the unstructured life, I, I learned that. I learned how to, you know, swim in that pool. And I think that's really kind of what got me here and that I know college would not have been able to provide for me at the level that I was kind of put into. And I, I, if I had to say that's if there's one thing that kind of gave me the edge for not going to college or what college I feel like couldn't have given me so much that I got, you know, on my own route, it, it's kind of that, right? And I think you just, first of all, your first value bomb went off. Um, not to take you long. I knew it was coming. Life is not structured. is is tremendous. Um, one of the things that I always like to say is you got to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. And people, in in my opinion, and, and this isn't, you know, why do people choose, and this is not knocking people that choose a corporate life. Uh, my girlfriend, that's what she does. She's very successful, right? Um, but the the corporate life or um, the structured life of this is what you have to do each day or this is what's expected of you set by other people is comfortable, okay? And you can make a good living in it. The the being an entrepreneur and going after it, there are literally months and people people think, you know, they always see this in the 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 upside of it, and, and that is the goal of the entrepreneur. But the, the beauty of the entrepreneur, the beauty of someone who goes after it is they're comfortable with the fact that, you know what, this month I might be eating lobster, and next month I'm eating a hamburger without any cheese and no bun. So that's, that's, that's the, the part of it, and you have to take, if you don't take that, that action to get yourself in a position to be that success, uh, that success monster, and you don't take that massive amount of action in order to do that, um, you're going to be in, in, a, in a position where uh, you, you're never going to know what you can be. And you know what? If you're not afraid to fail and make mistakes and sometimes you might spend money here and it doesn't work out and then you learn from it or you spend money here and now it does work out and you learn from that and, um, and, and you know, attack business, um, you know, sales is business, and I, that's going to segue into what, what I want to talk about next. But um, I think you hit it really on the head. Life is not structured. Everybody is taught because the generation, not your generation as much, but the, my generation from the generation prior to me, in order to do better than your parents, okay, you were, you were, you were taught that you have to go to college, you have to get a job, uh, you have to get the best education you can. You have to do this, this, this. In order to do that, you have to go to school, and you have to, you know. And and now it's been proven that yes, there's tremendous value in education. There's tremendous value in in a lot of different types of learning. You know, for for me, playing football was honestly, I I, I hate to say it, and I don't know what what um. Uh, you know, people will think about this, but honestly, playing football and coaching football has taught me as much about running a business and being an entrepreneur, um, good and bad, 
as, as going to college and sitting in my entrepreneurship class. And I'll segue this into sales. And I, 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 there's not that many people I've shared this with, but I, uh, I'm sharing it now, obviously, with the world. But when I was in graduate school, I started a player came up to me that uh, asked me if, they could, if I could help them with a paper. And they paid me to help them with a paper. Where This is right around 1997, 98, that time period when the Internet was starting to boom. I built a website and said, you know what, I could probably get writers and, and so on and so forth. It's before, this is before Uber, right? And I had writers across the country writing papers for people. I had no idea what we were doing. We were using the Internet. We built like a five-page website, and we were selling um, – uh, we were basically selling writing services to basically anything anybody wanted to get read, whether, and most of it obviously was, was college papers at the time. And in 1998, at 24 years old, I, I, didn't, I was an unintended entrepreneur. I was making 200, uh, probably about 200000 in revenue. We probably spent it all of it, okay? But we were making that amount of money through, through the internet, just kind of getting after it. And, and what I learned about school was my entrepreneur class, I went and presented two things. I presented the business that I was running and then the opportunities in that business, which I thought were, uh, at the time, web design, um, uh, technological structure, uh, networking, all those kind of things, which are kind of starting. I, I was kind of saying that that was going to be a, a, a boom, and that's where we really would move our business. This was just us learning. Um, and my entrepreneur professor gave me a C minus on that paper at presentation, okay? And he said, that business could never get off the ground. And I went to him after the class. I said, you know, thank you for the C minus on the paper and the B minus in the class. This was my MBA program, Nick. And a B minus in the class. And uh, I just wanted to, you know that I made uh, about 200000 in revenue and something that you said couldn't be done. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny how that works? <laughs> Isn't that funny? I was already sure. doing it. It was like I, I did it because I was like entrepreneur class. I'm like uh, build a business. I'm already doing one, so I'll, I'll write about this, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and my professor, I'll always remember this. My professor, he didn't know shit about business. That's the bottom line. He didn't know shit about business. So uh, he knew about corporate structure and he knew about um, I should say entrepreneurship. He, he knew about corporate structure, but nothing else. So that brings me to my segue, my long way of saying, I want to talk about how you're, not just about how you're helping customers, but what growth hacking is and, and, and how can people get the most out of uh, their business for, from what you do? So, so here's, here's the biggest thing, right? I, I think when people think about business, whether it's starting their own business or even thinking about, you know, with their own existing business, you know, how, how can they continue to grow? And the immediate, you know, line that people think about or if they go into a meeting with their team, the, the immediate line that gets thrown out is, okay, guys, we need an idea. We need to think outside the box for that idea. We need something so outside the box that's going to help bring us into market. Or I need to build a business that's so outside the box that people are just going to love it, right? But the problem is when people think outside the box is that that box becomes infinite, right? When you think outside of it, it's boundless. 
it's, <laughs> it, it, it makes you start realizing that you're, you know, when you start thinking for most people outside the box, you go a mile wide and an inch deep. And you end up not doing anything or you're at your, you, you don't have it really any kind of actionable plan. And when I look at growth hacking and when people hear about growth hacking, they, they know it as the, the implementation side, you know, very data-driven and, you know, A-B split testing and all these nuances. But realistically, it's more, I look at it more like a mindset. Growth hacking is a mindset. And it's not about thinking outside the box. It's more about thinking about how you make that box smaller, right? Making that box smaller so that way things that you want to do to get to that goal is more efficient and you're, it's more practical. And that's the thing when people realize and switch it, you know, it's not about thinking outside the box. It's about what's, what's inside my box and how do I make that box smaller so that way I can get it better, right, and get it faster and get it more efficiently and cheaper. Is that like finding a niche? Explain that a little bit. For, for for some people, it can be finding a niche. Like for instance, you know, uh, I don't know if your um, your listeners know, but you know, Dave and I both work together on, on his on his NUC company, and it's it, it's as easy as thinking about your buyer's persona, what they want, right? So for instance, with like the NUC Instagram, right, and the content that they were producing, you know, it, it was very simple as like, okay, you know, most companies would think, you know, like if they're an event kind of driven company, that they're going to just post pictures of their event, right? And, and as, as that does get engagement, you know, you, you sometimes forget like, okay, but what's going to actually drive my email sign-up? So what's going to drive that aspect, right? And you start thinking outside the box. But realistically, when we took the approach with NEC, it was more about thinking, you know, how we make that box smaller and making people want to enjoy the content better. So we looked at more so focused, like, okay, looking at the persona of the high school kids, what are they already doing? What are they already doing? Let's not think crazy and, you know, jump the shark. Let's think about some stuff that's practical. And we realized that these kids, these are athletes, and what athletes like to do is like they, look, they like to look at other athletes perform. But the problem was that every one person that was an athlete in high school or middle school, the only athletes they had to look at were professional athletes, like, you know, NFL or college and the type of content that was out there that was focused on their peers was very limited. So it makes the most sense if you want to drive and grow an Instagram account or a social media account that caters to that demographic, why not produce something that's also caters to them? And if you have a network of, like, how many, how many you know, players you have probably serviced over the last two years, thousands, you know, if we just say, hey, listen, we want to feature you on our Instagram, show us your clip. Now you're curating all that content. So now you don't have to worry about even getting it or finding it. You're, people are giving it to you. And then you're using that content, and other people are seeing, like, the other best athletes that also come out of the NBC brand from the Instagram account, and they're also seeing content that is also really cool that they could also say, like, hey, I know that kid. Or, hey, you know, if I played against that kid in high school, I would have knocked him out. Or whatever case may be. Like, like all that cool stuff because now we're starting to think in the mindset of the persona and doing that and identifying a way to do that fast and, and efficient is all about, again, thinking about how we get that box smaller. And the end result of that was, you know, your Instagram account was like what, like a, few, like a little over 1,000 and now it's sitting close to, you know, 50,000 with the engagement rates being through the roof. So it's like little things like that that make a big differences. And we didn't even get to the point where just doing that also drove – I think the most email signups that you got organically 
than you ever even had without even have to spend an extra dime on it. So it's like really There's cool no doubt stuff about. that you have to think about. And it's all about, again, you know, very thinking, thinking very precisely and looking more into the persona and getting that box small around what their core values and, and interest is and executing on that aspect. How do people find out what that small box should be for them? I mean, you know, I, I, and you did something unique and to give, you know, our, our listeners some insight as to it. You know, we we had basically, I think at the time, it's, I, I changed it a little bit now, but it was like a a, a big hit uh, Instagram, basically a, a quick clips, and we, I think we expanded to more than just big hits, but at the time, we had a big hits uh, Instagram account, and but it's NUC football, and we leveraged it to to build a following. And basically, what ended up happening, we, we used the lead gen, and we ended up generating. I I think it's somewhere now around 10,000 leads in about. You know, obviously, I've taken it since you know over since, since you're with us, but about I would say about 10,000 leads in a year. In a year. Think about anybody that can generate 10,000 leads in a year for anything, okay, how hard that is. We generate 10,000 leads. And um, so I, I think that, you know, we, ha, ha, you know, I would have never in a million years to think that that would have been a way to generate leads. You know, the traditional thing is, okay, you know, I say, hey, give me nominations, which I still do. Give me, you know, nominate for an event and people – you know, nominate for an event, right? Or I'll have a player of the week, and here's the player of the week, and they nominate for an event. How do people find within that smaller box a, a, a new way of thinking? Like, how, how does that thought process, how do people get that thought process as an entrepreneur? I think one of the things that they should start doing, right, is one, evaluate what their biggest pain point is, right? And what's the biggest problem I have? What's, where's their bottleneck, right? Because once you identify your bottleneck, the next thing you want to do is reverse engineer how you got to that bottleneck. Like what's happening? Instead of looking from the, you know, the bottom up, you got to look at it from the top down, right? So if we would have evaluated, let's say, how do we improve NUC's, you know, um, engagement and content and social media growth and how that could translate to, uh, you know, signups, you know, if we looked at it like, okay, let's look at the content that we already have and maybe come up with other content, but we would have just been guessing, you know, pretty much guessing check, right? We would have came up with some sort of random concept that we had no clue about that we just, you know, we thought was maybe a cool idea because we saw it outside the box. And, you know, we did it. Maybe it did a little better. Maybe it didn't. But we would have kept doing that and doing that and doing that. But we realized, like, all right, the bottleneck is the, that issue, instead of coming from the ground up, let's look at what other people are doing that's already working. And how do we emulate that? And how do we put our own spin to it? Because we, it's so much easier to look at successes of other people in developing a spinoff that is better than that already, that already perceived success. And I think for any person who's starting a business or wanting to start a business or any person who's looking to get into a new territory or any person who's already has a business now and they want to be more competitive, you know, humble yourself in looking at the people who are already crushing it or the people who are doing things that are already being successful or the companies that are already are successful that is going to be your competitor or maybe offers a service that you know right now is far superior than yours and just evaluate it and find out why it's like that and then just break it down 
from the top down and look at like, okay, from the top down, reverse engineering this process, this is all the steps that they're doing to get to the beginning stage, which is where you need to start at. And then as you're going through that process, you start to identify, okay, well, in this phase of what they're trying to do, it's good, but they can make it so much better if they did it like this. And then go down to the next step. And then eventually when you get to the, you know, where you realize it's the starting point and you work your way back up, you're now developing a strategy that you know is better than the competitors because you vetted it and you went through exactly what they already have that's successful, but you now made a better version of it. And I think you can apply that with anything in business or even in life, you know, um, that kind of methodology. And, again, that's, again, thinking more in the concept of thinking how you make that box smaller than thinking about outside of it. You know, I'm always amazed at, you know, because I deal with sponsors that that, um, that want to get more business, okay? And they look, they'll, they'll look at a platform and they'll go, oh, um, you know, uh, well, we'll go to this this event here or for this event here because it has uh, TV exposure, okay? And I'll say, well, are you advertising on that that game? Oh, well, well they'll, they'll put our logo on. I said, well, no one's buying from that. That's just ridiculous, you know? I mean, people are, if, you know, if you're running Coca-Cola commercials 20 times in an hour, yeah, you know what? People might be compelled to go buy some Coca-Cola. But if, if, if you flash across the screen once and no one really picks up on it, what value are you creating? You have to have that continuous, everyday uh, uh, grind value when, when you're, where you try to look at things from a business. Where, where does the gap from what corporations try to do in order to generate business differentiate from where people like yourself uh, and other guys who have had radical growth um, uh, you know, growth hacking, radical growth within Instagram. We see 16-year-olds, you know, I remember you pointed out a 16-year-old that had an Instagram page that he was making about 75 to 100K a year, 16 years old, okay, by building this platform. Where are corporations missing the boat where individuals are nailing it? Yeah, yeah, so this is this is the biggest thing, right? Um there's, there's two there's, corporate America is, is especially when you look into deep corporate America, right? They're they're stuck into their ways. They they're gonna always do heavy media buys. They're gonna plaster themselves in every single type of media buy, as many commercials as they get, as many, you know, radio stations to print, newspaper, all those things, right? But as human beings and people who spend more time even looking at the computer and reading stories that other people write rather than the stories that are on, you know, CNN and, you know, Time Magazine and things like that. We, we're, we're now in a, in a world and age that people are, are digesting content from other people, and people are trusting the word of other people. And it's like the thing that people are missing out on, especially corporations, is, you know, you want to try emulating and involving your brand to be the voice that is being told by other people. And what I mean by that is, you know, the companies that are doing a great job of this are leveraging the social proof aspect of influencers. And I'm not talking about like the Kim Kardashians who, who have a million upon million upon million of followers that are like the, the pseudo-celebrities of, you know, the Internet. 
I'm talking about the, the B list and the C list kind of guys, right? Or maybe the people who just built a pretty good audience of maybe 50,000 people, but they have a great tribe and their engagement rates are just insane. And they're, they're not really getting their inbox knocked on by companies to say, hey, you know, can you please talk about my product? You know, they're actually trying to get companies to just give them free products, right? <laughs> so, you know, I think the thing that most people are just missing out on is not leveraging that capability of getting other people to talk about their brand and their story and their experience. And from one of the things that I've been working on with clients and businesses is getting and amplifying to get as many people to talk about their brand. Because at the end of the day, people trust other people that they are already entrusting in. So let's say if you're watching someone who you watch all the time, you love them, and you feel like you could trust them, you absorb the content, you read their blogs, you watch their videos, if they say, hey, this is a good product, you're more than likely going to sway and be like, huh, I want to check out that product. But if you see a Google ad, or you see a display ad, or you see a newspaper ad, or you see that commercial about 50 million times, or you go on YouTube to watch a cat video and you see the Geico commercial come up yet again, and you're just blinded to it. You like mentally put blinders. But as soon as someone, whether it's a close friend or someone that, or a person that you read their blog or you watch their videos that you personally gave your mental trust to, and they say, hey, this is a good product. I've found it really useful. This is why I like it. And, you know, you should check it out here. You know, here's the link. Go, go look it at. And you see other people saying the same thing. More than likely, you're going to buy that product because it's like your best friend telling you this is a good product and you already built that trust in them. But not many people are leveraging that aspect of there's people who are willing and able and has great mini platforms, the mid-sized platforms, the super-sized platforms to share that story to a group of people who would literally buy anything as long as they say to buy it. I mean, just look at, like, freaking, you know, um, Kylie Kardashian or Kylie Jenner, actually, right? Kylie Jenner. She comes out with this, you know, makeup line, and she has a great following. She comes out with the makeup line. She's like an instant, you know, multi-million dollar company. Because people trust her, <laughs> you know, and she has a great following. So, so I, I think people need to realize there's people out there that work like that. No, it's true. And you know what it is? It's interesting. People actually trust the Kardashian brand to deliver glam. And see, that's that's what I what I think it is. You know. They identified, I guess, that small box, and Kylie really identified it with that makeup stuff, um, which I, I admit is not my, my forte from an industry standpoint, but I do recognize um, from a business standpoint, they represent glam. They represent um, glam. I mean, there's no other way to put it, Hollywood and glam. And she capitalizes on that, and the Kardashians capitalize on that over and over again, just by putting uh, their name on products and then representing that, you know, they do a lot of the stuff with Snapchat and Instagram. But however, the, you know, the platform is they reach it and people, people trust that, you know. And it's so, it's so interesting to me. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I think that uh, uh, they have mastered that part from, uh, to a T. Uh, I guess it all it, yeah, I mean, it all started with uh, a sex tape, but they leveraged that sex tape into things that no one else has ever leveraged it into. So um, I, I think that's really, really uh, amazing. I think, um, you know, what you talked about, uh, getting people to find that audience is, is critical. And 
Now, I, I, I want to take it just one quick step back and, and say, how did you learn these things that uh, have made you so smart in this area? What, what did you do, okay, in helping people? And, and it could be in anything someone's learning, but what did you do to make yourself an expert in this specific niche like this? So I think the biggest thing, <laughs> that's, that's a great question, too, because I feel like a lot of this was just, you know, you know how some people just have, like, a third, third eye seeing the world. You know, they're on a different wavelength. I feel like a lot of that stuff is just kind of, like, naturally, you know, uh, you know, the whole nature versus nurture kind of thing. But I have to say the information that I absorbed young and it just, just did it and just applied it and took my bruises and took my scratches through it, you know, but I learned from every mistake, right? I probably, before I got this success of my own business, I probably had at least a dozen failed ideas. <laughs> you know, I had, I, I wasn't, you know, this like, you know, uh, you know, this uh, wonder kid, you know, I had a ton of bad ideas that I lost money on and a ton of bad ideas that never got off the ground. And, you know, I learned from every one of them. And I read probably more business books than any book I probably even picked up in school, including textbooks, you know, and I, I just absorb the information that's out there. Because, guys, like, there's so much information out there, both free and paid for, that could give you so much knowledge on areas that could, you know, pretty much quantum leap your, your mental capacity of what you want to do or how to do it really, really well fast, faster than anything out there. But, I, again, I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's a play for you know, universities and this whole, like, mindset that you only absorb greatness of information and knowledge through college education or some formal education, you know, I don't know. I, I, think, I think we've been conditioned to think that we can't become and acquire great knowledge unless we go through that route. And um, realistically, you could probably get better knowledge by absorbing the knowledge that's already out there for you to just grab. And I think I think what got me to know a lot of this stuff is that I just became a nerd with like reading and listening and you know, applying and then repeating those three steps, reading and listening and applying and reading and listening and applying and then eventually I figure out some things that actually work. And then every single one of my failures I again reverse engineered why I failed and how that, how I can not make that failure and, and you know when I do it again, it won't become a failure. And I think, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, people got to embrace failure because I talk to so many entrepreneurs who want to start up a business because I do have an academy that, you know, teaches people, you know, how to do it themselves. And the number one thing I hear people say is that they just don't want to fail. They don't want to fail, and that's why they don't move forward. That's why they don't take action. That's why they don't make an investment in themselves. And I feel like, you need to embrace failure in order to be successful. And if you don't embrace it, then you're never going to take the chance and learn from it. And I almost encourage people to do stuff that they have a gut feeling that they may actually fail, but do everything you can to not fail. But if they failed, you're going to get so much knowledge from that. You're going to learn so much about yourself. And you're going to learn so much about the things that you, that you did to get you towards that chance of actually realizing you failed. And then you're going to pick yourself back up. You're going to learn from that. And then you're going to come up with something like 10 times better. But that only happens when you do fail. And 
I almost every person I do business with or or you know people I talk to or other entrepreneurs, I don't ask them you know what their success was, right? I I ask every single person I do business with or a hire or I, whoever, right? I ask them like, hey, so what was your biggest failure? And if they say, oh, I never had any failures, I'm like, all right, I don't really want to talk to you <laughs> because if someone right. didn't fail, then they didn't do enough in life, right? I you know and. I, I strongly believe that, you know, I, I feel like people need to fail and embrace it and then learn from it. And I think that's going to help people to get to the area where they kind of see themselves being the sharp, you know, multifaceted business owner, entrepreneur, and just human being. Yeah. People like to play it safe. And I, and I think that that's the, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I always like to say this, <laughs> If you have a dream, go after it. And if you need to make extra money, go drive Uber or, or Lyft at night. Because that way you can pursue what you really want to do. And if you need to, obviously everyone's in different situations. You can go make $25, $30 an hour, work for six hours a day, and make enough money to survive while you're doing that and figuring out your business. But don't, but don't, don't go, don't half-ass it. Go all in and figure it out. Because when you're laying there in your deathbed, okay, I always say this. People are like, oh, you, you know, you talk about death a lot. I said, yeah, you know why? Because I want to live life. Like, I'm trying to figure out how I can live life more, okay, and, and enjoy. It. And for me, you know, it's, it's some form of, of going after success and, and, and creating opportunities and, 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 and case, some cases helping people. Um, you know, whatever that is for somebody, you got to go after it because you don't want to be in your deathbed and say, oh, you know, you know, I, I think I could have been good at this because we're all going to die, and, and hopefully it's a long time for all of us, but we're all going to die at some point, and you don't want to leave anything on the table. That's the worst thing you do is leave something on the table that's a mistake, and then, you know, you're, eventually your kids learn from that, and then they leave something on their table, you know. So um, mm-hmm. I think that's, 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 that's real important. I think, you know, you, you touch on a lot of things. I think learning from your ideas is your bad ideas is, is really important. That continuous learning, um, I think, is 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 incredible. Um, what what would you think if you could give me? You know, I just got a couple of fast fire questions as we wrap up here because I think you've really covered some amazing things. Uh, two things that two pieces of advice that um, that you've heard that you really believe in. Two pieces of advice that I heard. Really if it's one, even one, one piece of advice you could share that you really believe, that you've heard that you really believe in. Okay. Um, it's a philosophy that, uh, that I've heard by, um, <laughs> I, I'm going blank on the name, which is so sad. But, um, but it was a very successful entrepreneur. And he always used the term, no one's going to die. And it's funny that <laughs> so I use the whole death thing, right? Um, but he, 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 like, said, like, you know, when, when, whenever something was happening or things weren't working out or whatever, you know, when people start to freak out about some things and realize, but it could be really petty stuff. And he used to say, you know, to clients or to the team or even, you know, close family, friends, he used to be like, hey, you know, no one's going to die. No one's going to die from this. And I think... You know, I absorb that because in business and life, there's going to be times that shit just looks really bad. Things look bleak, right? You can realize, like, 
you could have a great month and the next month everything could just tumble down. And I think at the end of the day, you know, we get so fixated on, you know, the material things and money and all these things. And we forget about, like, you know, realistically, you have your life to be appreciated about. You know, no one's, no one's dying. You know, you're not, you know, nothing bad really truly happening. Um, and I think that helps kind of, it, it puts me in check sometimes when, uh, you know, when certain things kind of keep me off center. And, um you know, I kind of revert that. I'd be like, you know what, at the end of the day, you know, no, one, no one's getting killed from this or I'm not dying from this. You know, so let me just handle this. Like, you know, it's not as bad as that. And um, so, yeah, that was one thing. But um, a personal motto that I kind of really believe in that I holds true to me is like, uh, you know, I always use the line, you know, inside of every self-made, you know, millionaire is a poor kid who followed his dream, right? And I think we all kind of reflect on that when we want to, you know, see ourselves in a certain height, you know, and when you look at all the successful people who are self-made, not people who, you know, just got it handed to them, self-made, like, you know, like Richard Branson and, you know, Bill Gates and all these, all these guys, you know, they, they, they're, they were just regular people like most of us and some, you know, maybe even worse off than most of us. And they just had a dream and they followed through with it. And, you know, that's something I, I hold really tightly because I'll never forget when I was younger, even just, you know, years back, even when I was starting my business, I learned through $30,000 just because of my burn rate um, and realized in my bank account I only had, like, a few hundred bucks and I needed that client or else I was literally going under. And I, I just kind of dug deep and got it. Um, it you got You realize, like, you know, if you really want to be it, and those people who are really, we're all, we're just all poor kids inside. So, I think uh, that's something I know a motto I really hold true. That that that's a really really good point. You know, it's funny. I I listen. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever read any books on uh, with Grant Cardone, uh, 10x, which I think is interesting, and and I'm a huge huge Tony Robbins fan. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Lewis Howe. And I think that um, they, they talk about, you know, putting things into action, getting, basically getting after it, and, and fi- figuring out how to make everything work. And, and one of the things I did, and I have one last question for you, and then we'll wrap it up. But one of the things I did is I was trying, I'm coaching football now, and I decided that, you know, work with, uh, come back and coach this year. And I was struggling in the old days. I, I, I had, you know, I really had the business rolling the way I wanted to. Uh, we had a little bit of a downside this year, and then now we're building back. Um, I always would kind of just uh, promote, 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 and had staff. But now that it's mostly myself and a few other people, uh, I got to carry the ball. So what I figured out, it took me a while to figure this out, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to wake up. I fall asleep after practice. I get tired. I end up falling asleep at 9, 30, 10 anyway. No matter what I do, no matter if I wake up late or early. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get up at 430 in the morning. Work out at 4:30 in the morning. Go and play with my son from 6:30 when he wakes up inevitably at 6:30 every morning, till 7 7:30 8 o'clock. So at least we have real quality time. And then once he goes off to school and, and you know begin my day and, and and start that process. So I get everything I need to get done in a day. And you know what I I realized? Guess what? I still get tired around 10 o'clock, but now get everything done that I need to get done. 
and um, and I'm actually enjoying the, the the process because of that. I think it's 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 you got everyone's got to find what it takes to be successful and 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 utilize those tools. There's so many tools out there. You can't stop learning. I think you talked about the book thing. You know, they say that uh, most successful CEOs in the world, or I guess the people who make the 80% of the money, um, they read an, on an average uh, 60 books or more a year, okay? I try to knock out a book a week myself. And, and, and after hearing that, I try to knock out a book a week. And it's amazing when you ravage the information how much you can learn. Which brings me to my final question. Is there a book out there? that you would recommend to somebody, either on growth hacking or being a successful entrepreneur, that, that you would recommend to somebody else? I would say the book that changed my life was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill that I read three years ago. Which I have read I myself. I, I, I read that book <laughs> so much, and I have the audio book. So I, I just always reflect on that. It stands the test of time, right? It stands the actual mm-hmm. test of time. That's a book that's been around for a long time. It stands the test of time. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, believe it or not, my Facebook Live, you you are you're a rock star because I think you got the most people that I've had, that we've had yet in this Eighth Life Learning and Success podcast. So I really I really thank you for coming on. I think you share great information with people, and you know as always. Uh, as your neighbor and someone that, that I, I really trust in the business world, I, I, I truly thank you and, and wish you the very best in success. Hey, no problem, man. I do appreciate it. And, uh, you know, if you need me again, let me know. <laughs> Have a great day, Nick. <laughs> Later, brother. Life Learning Success Podcast, Episode 8. Drop. Make sure you go to iTunes, check it out, comment, give us some stars, give us love, Life Learning and Success Podcast. The more love we get, the more we can continue to grow it. Until the next time, we'll have another great guest on again. Have a great day. And don't know the real hard core, cause Sanders are not back to The talks them with the way them got to And voting twice to shot to Don't make them fat to Unless you carry guns and lots to A beer talk thing come at you When trench town man stop laugh and block up traffic Then them we learn pop up and them start traffic We dip in for